Book Two, Chapter Twelve of the History of Pompey the Little. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The History of Pompey the Little, or the Life and Adventures of a Lapdog, by Francis Coventry. Book Two, Chapter Twelve. Chapter Twelve: The Character of a Master of the Arts at a University. About this time, three ladies and a gentleman happened to be returning out of the north and never having seen Cambridge, were inclined to make it in their way to London. The gentleman whom they had been visiting in the country, knowing this resolution, sent a letter beforehand to Mr. Williams, who had been his fellow collegiate, in which he advertised him of the arrival of the party, and desired him to be assistant in showing them the curiosities of Cambridge. And this gives us an opportunity of explaining some further particulars in that gentleman's character, being not an uncommon one, I believe, in either of our universities. If we were in a hurry to describe him, it might be done effectually in two or three words, by calling him a most egregious trifler. But as we have leisure to be a little more circumstantial, the reader shall be troubled with a day's journal of his actions. Mr. Williams was, in the first place, a man of the most puncticulous neatness. His shoes were always blackened in the nicest manner, his wigs were powdered with the exactest delicacy, and he would scold his laundress for a whole morning together, if he discovered a wry pleat in the sleeve of his shirt, or the least speck of dirt on any part of his linen. He rose constantly to chapel, and proceeded afterwards with great importance to breakfast, which, moderately speaking, took up the two hours of his morning. When this was over, he amused himself either in paring his nails, or watering two or three orange trees, which he kept in his chamber, or in tilling a little spot of ground about six feet square, which he called his garden, or in changing the situation of the few books in his study. The spectators were removed into the place of the tattlers, and the tattlers into the place of the spectators. But generally speaking, he drew on his boots immediately after breakfast, and rode out for the air, having been told that a sedentary life is destructive of the constitution, and that too much study impairs the health. At his return home, he had barely time to wash his hands, clean his teeth, and put on a fresh powdered wig before the college bell summoned him to dinner in the public hall. His afternoons were spent in drinking tea with the young ladies above mentioned who all esteemed him a prodigious genius and were ready to laugh at his wit before he opened his mouth in these agreeable visits he remained till the time of evening chapel after which supper succeeded to find him fresh employment from whence he repaired to the coffee-house and then to some engagement at a friend's room for the remaining part of the evening by this account of the day's transactions the reader will see how very impossible it was for him to find leisure for study in the midst of so many important avocations yet notwithstanding this great variety of business he made a shift sometimes to play half a tune on the german flute in the morning and once in a quarter of a year took the pains to transcribble a sermon out of various authors another part of his character was a great affection of politeness which is more pretended to in universities where less of it is practised than in any other part of the kingdom thus mr williams was always talking of genteel life to which end he was plentifully provided with stories by a female cousin who kept a milliner's shop in London, and never failed to let him know by letters what passed among the great, though she frequently mistook the names of people, and attributed scandal to one lord which was the property of another. Her cousin, however, did not find out the mistakes, but retailed her blunders about the colleges with great confidence and security. But nothing pleased him more than showing the university to strangers, and especially to ladies, which he thought gave him an air of acquaintance with the genteel world and on such occasions he would affect to make expensive entertainments which neither his private fortune or the income of his fellowship could afford. 
To this gentleman, the party we have spoken of was recommended, and he had lived in expectation of their coming for several days together, in consequence of his friend's letter. At length they arrived, and sent him a message from their inn, desiring the favor of his company at supper. This he no sooner received than he posted away with all imaginable dispatch, and with many academical compliments welcomed them to Cambridge. Nor did he depart to his college till he had made them promise to dine with him at his chambers the succeeding day. Early then the next morning he rose with the lark, and held a consultation with the college cook concerning the entertainment, for as he had never yet been honored with company of so high a rank, he resolved to do what was handsome, and send them away with an opinion of his politeness. Among many other devices he had to be genteel, one very well deserves mentioning, being of a very academical nature indeed, for he was at the expense of purchasing a china vase of a certain shape, which sometimes passes under a more vulgar name, to set in his bedchamber that if the ladies should choose to retire after dinner for the sake of looking at the pattern of his bed or to see the prospect out of his window or from any other motive of curiosity they might have the pleasure of being served in china when these affairs were settled he dressed himself in his best array and went to bid the ladies good morrow as soon as they had breakfasted he conducted them about the university and showed them all the rarities of cambridge they observed that such a thing was very grand that another thing was very neat and that there were a great many books in the libraries, which they thought it impossible for any man to read, though he was to live as long as Methuselah. When their curiosity was satisfied, and Williams had indulged every wish of vanity, in being seen to escort ladies about the university, and to hand them out of their coach, they all retired to his chambers for dinner. Much conversation passed, not worth recording, and when the cloth was taken away, little Pompey was produced on the table for the ladies to admire him. They were greatly struck with his beauty, and one of them took courage to ask him as a present, which the complacent master of arts and his great civility complied with, and immediately delivered him into the lady's hands. He likewise related the story how he came into his possession, which another person perhaps would have suppressed. But Williams was so transported with his company that he was half out of his wits with joy, and his conversation was as ridiculous as his behavior. End of Book 2, Chapter 12